the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. I'm Selwyn Whitehead and I'm also a California Bar Admitted Attorney and a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And as I've shared with you in the past, in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. And because of my education, my training, my experiences, my observations, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. Yes, bankruptcy law, because it is all about the money, but it's also about more importantly, the reclamation, redemption, and revitalization of the economic lives of financially distressed individuals and families and businesses, but only those financially distressed family units and or business entities that are led by honest human beings, also like you and me, I hope. And I also practice the related areas of debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law and the foundational facts and guiding principles related to personal and financial um, finances, that is to say, of small businesses and families as my focus, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, independence, and autonomy of women, people of color, communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military brat, and believe it or not, also helped create one with my former spouse, I know how hard it is to be economically viable uh, as a citizen soldier in America, you know, where we are sometimes, we find our surrounding communities sometimes less than patriotic, but yet and still we have to function in the same capital-based economy. And as you know, I also, uh, so that's why I, I really bend over backwards to try to help veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And as I've shared with you before, if the situation is right, I sometimes am able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the targets of, and unfortunately more and more, 
the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse you could ever imagine that's running rampant in our society today. So I'm coming to you again today to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. The qualified professional help I believe you need if you have a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your other assets. So, continuing the subject we broached a few weeks ago, that is to say, examining conservatorships of adults and guardianships for children versus estate and personhood planning here in California. By taking a deeper dive into this crucial area of the law that's governed by the California Probate Code. Because if we don't create our own effective estate plans, including how we want our persons, that is to say our humanity, treated, if we, and more likely when we, lose some of our cognitive ability, and we have to do this planning while we at least have some of our wits about us, If we don't, the California Probate Court will appoint someone likely to be someone we don't even know, or if we know them, we may not have wanted them to be in charge and take control of our persons and our estates and make decisions about us in a conservatorship. So the last time we got together, I concentrated our focus on the fact that we as mere mortals need to realize that any and all of us are susceptible to a decline in our cognitive abilities, be it a relatively rapid decline, such as been reported in the media to be alleged to be the case concerning former Mickey Mouse Club mouseketeer and longtime pop star Britney Spears, or brought on slowly over time by organic means such as advanced age or some kind of disease of the brain that has been reported in the media to be the alleged cause concerning Star Trek icon and one of my childhood sheroes, Nichelle Nichols, who played Lieutenant Uhura in the Star Trek series and movies. And then, I don't know that many of you know this, she went on after the show to have an important relationship with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, where she played a pivotal role in integrating the ranks of the astronaut corps by helping NASA recruit the first woman astronaut, Dr. Sally Ride, and the first black astronaut, Colonel Guyan Buford, among others. That's why I have, she's, I have her in such high esteem. Now, according to the medical experts in the field, as a general rule, the decline can be brought on also by external factors that are introduced into our neurological systems, such as the result of substance overabuse, even if pres- prescribed, or substance abuse. Or it can be brought on by suffering some form of trauma, such as one or more concussions, like so many in the National Football League and other athletes suffer over the course of their athletic careers. 
Now, because the young as well as the old may find themselves in a space where their declining cognition necessitates the intervention by others, including the courts, we mere mortals need to plan for both our ultimate transition to the next iteration, but just as importantly, for the likely intermediate step that we all must get past, and that is to say that before we die, we lose the ability to care for ourselves and our estates due to our cognitive decline. Now, one of the best ways to plan is a well-thought-out estate plan. So again, what is an estate plan? If you reside in California, when uh, where this show originates and where I practice law, and um, if you are in control of your mental faculties, you and your counsel can use an estate plan to strategically plan and create a series of contracts between you and the state of California with the goal of transferring your assets to the beneficiaries of your choice with the least amount of negative consequences, including tax consequences, that might diminish the value of your state. And just as importantly, to inform the state of California and its court system who you want to take charge of your finances and or bodily affairs if you become incapacitated before uh, you make your final transition. Uh, the primary tool again, tools are a will, one or more of the various kinds of available trusts, a durable power of attorney for property management, and an advanced health care slash durable power of attorney for health care. And you have to s properly set up your banks and investment accounts and your insurance policies to make sure they go to directly to the beneficiary. And take those proceeds without having to go through probate. And I also believe in taping uh, or at least having an audio kindly explaining the rationale of your plan to your loved ones. Now, estate planning has two separate and distinct temporal goals depending on the phase of life and who is in control of that process. So, Goal one, during the plan development phase, the individual or couple who wants a well-thought-out plan for the disposition of their assets and a mechanism to assure proper treatment of themselves and their minor dependents when they're no longer capable of dealing with their day-to-day -day decisions, that's when the estate planning process focuses on getting all of the documents and thinking out how we want these transitions to occur while we're still alive. And then the second phase is after we pass. The successor trustee, if we've set up one or more trusts, the executor of the probate estate if we die without a trust, or in either of those situations, if there's a problem with the settlement of the estate, the person with the legal issue could be an unhappy trust beneficiary or a probate heir or a creditor of the decedent or some other interested party including a boyfriend or a girlfriend who thought that they should have gotten something and they believed they were inadvertently as opposed to purposely left out. I see that sometimes. In each of these scenarios, the post-mortem settlement process should focus on minimizing or even eliminating uh, the decedent's income, estate, gift, and generation-skipping tax, and increasing the value of the trust during the administration process and 
make sure that the decedent's wishes are carried out. That's according to the law of California, again, where this show originates and where I practice. Now, when we come back, we'll take a closer look at the individual components of an estate plan. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now, back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our foray into the intersection of probate law, elder law, and estate planning by looking at the individual components of an estate plan. Okay, document number one, a will. A will is a critical part of an estate plan, any estate plan. It is a legal document drafted and executed in accordance with state law, which becomes irrevocable at the death of the testator. That's the name of the person creating the will, a testator. In her will, the testator will name her beneficiaries, and these are family members, friends, domestic partners, or charitable organization that will receive the testator's assets as she directs in her will. The testator may provide for specific gifts, uh, such as, you know, a particular item of her property, and the testator will also uh, deal with the residual and it doesn't have to be names uh, particularly what goes where and to who, but specific gifts have to be specified and the names of the persons that they're going to have to be specified, whereas the residual can be clumped together and sent out to whomever. Okay? Um, it, the testator also has to select a guardian for her minor children. Now, a testator may nominate a person who will have the responsibility to care for her child or children if the testator or her spouse dies before the child or the children attain 18 years of age. The testator may also name a guardian who may or may not be the same person uh, to be responsible for the management of the assets given to the minor child or children until the child or children attain 18 years of age. And the will will also name an executor, and this is a person or an institution chosen by the testator and in her will and appointed by a probate court, collects and manages all of the testator's assets, pays her debts and expenses and any taxes that might be due, and then in the manner approved by the court based on the will, distributes the remaining assets to the testator's beneficiaries in accordance with the will. An executor plays a very important role with significant responsibilities, and it can be a time-consuming job. As such, the testator should choose her executor very carefully. Now, the second document is a durable power of attorney. A durable power of attorney for property management deals with assets which uh, have not been transferred to a living trust or another kind of trust. Uh, so, 
that's why you need to have this particular document because you might have a trust and there might be your last paycheck or you might not have gotten around to transferring your house or uh, houses into the trust. So that's what the, the durable power of attorney does. It gives the person with this power the ability to manage as your attorney in fact and make property management decisions on your behalf. This document, however, cannot replace the living trust in as much, among other things, it cannot dispose of your assets in accordance with your wishes after your death. Okay? And then the third document is known as an Advanced Healthcare Directive Durable Power of Returning for Healthcare and HIPAA Release. Now, an advanced health care directive, durable power of attorney for health care, allows your attorney, in fact, to make health care decisions for you when you no longer can make them for yourself. It may also contain statements of your wishes concerning such matters as life-sustaining treatment or other health care issues and instructions concerning organ donations um, and your disposition of your remains and how you want your funeral conducted. It is necessary because under the Health Insurance Portability Act, also known as HIPAA, our medical records are private and our medical treatment can only be made by us. That is to say the person uh, receiving the treatment, which is why a court-ordered conservatorship may be the only way an attending physician or a hospital may be able to proceed with a treatment regime other than the treatment needed in an emergency situation. So next up are trusts. A trust is a written agreement between the individual or married couple creating a trust and the persons or institutions named to manage the assets held in trust, that is to say the trustee. In many cases, it is appropriate for the grantor or the creator or the settler of the trust to be the initial trustee of a living trust until management assistance is needed, at which point the trust should designate the individuals or individual or a bank or a trust company to act in the grantor's place. Now, the term, uh, the trust itself becomes irrevocable upon the trustees, the creators, the settlers' death because a trust contains provisions for the distribution of assets on or after the grantor's death. The trust acts as a substitute for a will and in many ways uh, may or may not eliminate the need for a probate of the decedent's will with respect to those assets which are held in a living trust. Notwithstanding the existence of a trust, however, a grantor should also execute a will. A will created in this situation is known as a pour-over will, uh, which provisions will allow for the transfer of any assets that are outside of the trust at the time of the uh, settler's demise. Now, there are also living trusts that are known as revocable trusts. A living trust, also known as an inter vivos, meaning while you're alive, trust is simply a trust created during the grantor's lifetime. There may be many different kinds of living trusts, uh, such as a uh, qualified personal residence trust, an irre irrevocable life insurance trust, a charitable remainder trust, and a grantor retained annuity trust. 
Most people in utilizing the term living trust mean a revocable trust created to benefit the grantor during her lifetime with the remainder going to family members and others upon her demise. The grantor typically is the trustee and a beneficiary at the same time during her lifetime. Now, since the early 1980s, revocable trusts have become increasingly popular as an estate planning tool in California. Today, in fact, most professionally prepared estate plans for people with significant assets use this type of trust. Uh, now, since most people who have established living trusts are still alive, there's been relatively, but more and more uh, each day, uh, there's been relatively um, little litigation on it. Uh, that's why when I was um, learning about trusts in, in law school, uh, my professor postulated that there's going to be a lot of litigation about what trusts are and are not when baby boomers start to die off, as we have started to do. Because baby boomers are the first generation that really use trust as a tool to transfer their wealth. So we're going to see things. But i got to tell you, I've been involved in some litigation inside and outside bankruptcy and probate court. And so it's starting to get a little bit messy. But, you know, that's why you really need to consult with someone when you're setting up a state plan. Because one of the good things that lawyers do is tell you the downside as well as the good side. Now, those are our uh, revocable trusts. But there's also something known as an irrevocable trust from the get-go. Now, it can't be modified or terminated without the permission of the beneficiary. So uh, that uh, the grantor, having transferred his assets to the trust, effectively removes all of his or her rights and ownership to the trust. The main reason for setting up an irre irrevocable trust is estate and tax considerations. The benefits of this type of trust is basically it removes all ownership interest in the corpus of the trust from the individual who sets it up. So these trusts can grow tax-free for the lifetime. And that's why in, in the news today, there's this thrust to try to get uh, very wealthy people to pay a portion of their assets to uh, the taxing authorities to help fund some of the new innovative things that Congress is thinking about doing. Now, assets that are held in an irrevocable trust can include, but are not limited to, a business, a qualified personal residence, investment assets, cash assets that are going to charities but throw off income to the grantor while they're alive. And then, as I've shared with you a couple of times before, the next component isn't a document, it's an ethical will. An ethical will is not something that I learned about in law school, but something that is a tradition in many ancient cultures. And that's basically the oral transmission of one's wishes to the people that we leave behind. And so taping uh, a video or an audio explaining why the, um, the decedent set the trust up this way makes it clear to a court if there's a contest that that's her wishes, and it also might give peace of mind to those who are left behind. Now, before we go, a brief comment about what you must discuss with your child before she turns 18. In addition to having ongoing discussions about and making sure your children have a good grounding in economics and in finance as part of their overall education, your child should, as my father commanded of me, be able to take care of myself as an adult. 
you as your child's parents have a duty to work with your child to help her and her lawyer draft her advanced health care directive durable power of attorney and HIPAA release and a durable power of attorney for her finances. This because as soon as your child turns 18, you can no longer tell anybody what to do about your child's medical treatment or her record. She is an adult, and your doctor, her doctor, if she's involved in a catastrophic event, will not share this information with you. So, consider giving a gift that keeps on giving on your child's 17th birthday, a joint appointment with her and an estate planning attorney to develop a plan, and then follow up on her 18th birthday alone so she can go and uh, execute her estate plan. That way, you can feel good about laying the foundation for an adult who has an adequate financial education. Because I got to tell you, notwithstanding whether your child remains in your home while um, after she becomes 18, in the eyes of the law, she is an adult. Well, we're going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including the laws dealing with our ability to plan for our own transition while we're in our right state of mind. But in the meantime, Please get vaccinated. Please keep your social distance, mask up, and wash your hands. Till next time, take care. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.